getting started or my perception of like filmmaking early on was like, you make something and it's a success and you make a, leads to a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And it's sort of always that way. And it's, it's not. <laughs> hey everyone. Today we have on Jackson Adams, creative director from Portal A, a content company based in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Director Justin Rossbacher took the reins on this one, so rather than my nervous chipmunky voice, you'll get the smooth, jazzy comfort of Justin's voice today. This episode is one of those hangout types where we get to know Jackson and learn a little bit about how he got into his current role, his perspectives, and what's working for him right now. Jackson has some good tips to share, as well as some familiar but validating experiences, such as if someone gives you an opportunity to direct, whether you feel you're ready or not, just say yes and figure it out later as well as a little bit about casting, working with talent, influencer talent, as well as working with some high-profile brands and creators like Infinity and Steph Curry. And an important reminder that whether your content is branded or not, this stuff should be fun to watch. Enjoy. A garden of pure ideology. Yeah, just a typical Super Bowl car ad. Or a hilarious beer ad. <laughs> Break was over 15 minutes ago, Mitch! I think... Well, Jackson, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, it was great to actually have a reach out. So a lot of the people we've just been researching and inviting into our our show, but this time you had someone advocating for you to get you. Out. So do you do these? <laughs> do you do these regularly? I can't say that I do. I can't say that I've I've done too many of these, but I'm happy to be to do my first one here. Actually, all right. So. Well, well, we'll make it a painless experience. So the name of our podcast is Filmmakers. Is that me or you? I think that's me. I got something <laughs> going on back here. Without fail, every time the meeting starts. Here comes the car alarm, oh, the yeah. garbage truck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, as you were saying. Yeah. So uh, the name of our podcast is Filmmakers in Advertising. We started it because we were involved in filmmaking and in advertising. And there's just oftentimes a very clouded veil of information that just didn't seem to be out there in specific mm -hmm. contexts and a lot of variety of information that's out there. And, uh, and so we were already having these conversations and we were like, you know what, let's continue these conversations, put it to a podcast and share it for people that could benefit from it. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we're doing. And, cool. uh, so we're glad that you're here. You have a kind of a specific niche that we haven't had on our show yet. So we're really happy to have you and, uh, excited to get in on it. Cool. Yeah. Super happy to be here. So, uh, let's chat. Yeah. Let's chat. <clears throat> So on your personal website, you have yourself as a director and writer based in Los Angeles. That's still correct? That's right. Yeah. Still correct. But you grew up in Massachusetts. Tell me about the journey uh, between those two things. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Western Mass. Um, I guess my journey from Massachusetts to LA started with going to film school. I went to Emerson College, which is in Boston. Um, and spent four years there. And one aspect of Emerson is that there's a, like a semester abroad program, except it's not abroad. Obviously it's a, a satellite campus that's in LA. Now Emerson has like a much bigger 
presence in Los Angeles. But at that time, it was like a single classroom. Like you'd go and you'd stay in these like, you know, it was like a, it's called the Oakwoods housing. It was like a pre-furnished apartment complex, basically. And you'd go to, you know, have class in this one room that everybody would share. And that semester program turned into like, it was like an internship thing. And so at the end of that, a lot of people just stuck around. And I was one of those people whose internship at that time basically evolved into a a job, like a post-college job that um, basically let me stick around in the city. And then, you know, here I am. So, (laughs) And, (laughs) and here you are. So uh, I noticed that you, you chose the order director and writer rather than writer and director. Right. Tell me about that. Well, you know, I, I, when I started working as like post college stuff, it's really hard to um, identify yourself as a writer. Basically. I feel like writing is one of those things where, you know, I've been, paid to direct and stuff, but I can't think of ever being paid specifically to write, you know? And for me growing up, like writing and directing was kind of synonymous. Like you would have to kind of write your own stuff to direct mm-hmm. it, especially as a kid and in college Good and everything. Point. But professionally, um, when I started working, it was, it was directing. It was like these things are developed, you know, I'm coming on to help accomplish them, whether music videos or sort of branded stuff, but writing, personally was never like the thing that I first identified with. And I think that there's like a little bit of a mental block that was Mm -hmm. like, well, what, what allows you to claim that you're a writer? You know, you've like, you have to write, but you're not actually getting hired to be a writer ever. So, right. Um, you know, I just sort of like self-identified directing first because that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I came to be known for in terms of like work, that makes sense. I can relate to that journey, that struggle as well. I write, I write all the time. Sometimes it's directly related to paid work, yeah. but oftentimes it's not, it's just my personal projects that I'm kind of moving forward. So I would probably theoretically use the same order. <laughs> That's the thing is like, you know, it's totally like a, like a personal thing. I feel like I have as much of an opinion writing as I do directing, but somehow like just like putting writer first feels like, well, I'm not a writer who directs, I'm a director who can also write. Right. And sort of that's the way that my mind has like, you know, prioritized that stuff. That makes sense. I've learned to embrace the titles. Um, I know it's easy. It was easy for me to either have an, like an imposter syndrome kind of style. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> either one of those things. And then there was an interesting little switch that clicked over into my head when I think it was a conversation between Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene Brown. And uh, there were talks. One of them mentioned saying, instead of describing yourself in nouns, describe yourself in verbs. Hmm. So mm. I direct or I write, and then there's like no imposture is either you do it or you're not doing it. And that's, uh, that's the thing. And, and I feel like, I don't know, I, at, at this time in like creative work, I feel like everybody kind of does everything. It's really hard for me to like say, Oh, this is the, this is what I do. This is my one kind of like Avenue. 
Um, I don't know. It's not so black and white anymore. Um, so it's, it's hard to definitely like commit yourself to one singular, one singular definition in that way, for sure. I struggle with that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And just everything that kind of comes with it, whether a judgment and or to yourself or to others or, or pigeonholing. Whereas if there's a verb and you're like, I, I write shorts, I write commercials, I write music videos, you know, who knows what it may be. It is either you're doing it or you're not doing it. I'm directing and not directing. I act from time to time. So what I consider myself an actor, you know, yes, I've learned to call myself all these things because I just know that's the noun version of the verb, but I have to like translate it through verbs first. And then for sure. And I'm like, I'm good. You know, what's also tough is the question about like, what kind of stuff do you make? What kind of stuff do you like to do? You know? And like, I have preferences, obviously like there's stuff that I like gravitate towards. What do you like to make Jackson? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I so wish that I could be like, Oh, I'm a, I make horror movies. I make a, you know, action. I make chase scenes and stuff like that. Like I, I make silly comedies. Like for me, it's never really been that black and white either. Like, I feel like as a creative person, sometimes I like to do this. Sometimes I like to do that. I I like to do this with a hint of that, you know, it sort of depends on mood. And I've never been really able to like fully define the kind of stuff that I make. I know there's some stuff that I don't like to make and that I don't think I'm the right person to make, but it's always, am I hearing that, so this is something that we, we hear back and forth and definitely in mm-hmm. our industry, this idea of the importance of branding yourself or niching yourself yeah, and all of this. Am I hearing that you're giving a little bit of permission that it's okay sometimes to not have that or. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that, I think that like for me, creative work is, you know, it's like your mood, you know, and one day you're feeling like this and one day you're feeling like that. I don't feel like, when it comes to making something, my brain is always going straight to this singular like mode and feeling and mood. I mean, obviously there's, there's stuff that I gravitate towards. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think that it's necessary. It's a, it's a necessity to be one singular type of writer or director. I mean, I feel like as human beings, you know, we go through different phases and different feelings and everything. And I feel like, at least for me personally, my creative work likes to follow that. I mean, like, I don't like, look, I've tried making like doing stuff with, like chase scenes and action stuff and everything. And I don't think I'm very good at that, but like, I might just get super inspired by singular, like way into that, you know, like an idea for a scene or for a moment or something. And then I might, might try that, but it's not necessarily like the specific genre that I feel like I must be working within and say with, with drama. Yeah. So how do people find you or decide to want to work with you and how do you decide to work on a project or not? That's a good question. Um, well, nowadays, you know, I work in house at portal a, like I have a job and, and, and projects come into this, job and yeah, like tell, tell me more about portal a because you guys definitely have an interesting niche it seems yeah yeah so portal a is a content company i mean it's like basically you know we work with brands talent platforms to basically make what we call breakthrough content it's like sort of a hybrid of agency slash production company 
that kind of handles it all. You know, we'll develop ideas, we'll work with brands and clients and everything, and then we'll also produce that stuff. So it's less the sort of old model of like agency, production company, a bunch of different hands in the pot. Um, we kind of do everything all at once. Got it. And then I see in your tagline here, a crew of makers out to make the best content, not as the internet has ever seen. So <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. So what's the difference in content and ads for those that are listening? Well, um, you know, one thing we definitely don't do is like commercials, like just flat out, here's a toaster and I'm going to make a 30 second thing trying to sell it. Um, we really do sort of like fuller campaigns and strategies, uh, partnering with brands um, to to make like, it sounds like a thing that's been said over and over, but like authentic content that feels at home on the internet. Like people now are seeing ads in different ways and different formats than obviously just your traditional like TV spots. So it takes a lot of different forms. We, we do a lot of stuff that um, is like social media based, a lot of YouTube. Uh, well, for a while, YouTube based um brand integrations and stuff, working with different influencers and creators. Um, and now obviously a lot of stuff that takes place on a bunch of different platforms across social media. So it's like brand brand based stuff across social media, but it's not specifically like you're, you're a rinky dink 30 second commercial, you know, that you're going to see on TV or anything like that. Right. And sometimes it doesn't have a brand associated with it. It's just the influencer themselves or, how does yeah. that work? Well, Portal A, we have a there's like a originals aspect of the company, which is working on stuff that is not necessarily like brand based, right. might be for specific platforms. Um, but when it comes to like working with creators, yeah, sometimes those creators, you know, we're developing like original series or podcasts with them, but a lot of times when it's branded stuff, it is content that's living on their channel. And it's sort of like working within, you know, their sort of like voices and, and, and channels and sort of like worlds and working brands into that stuff. Um, and then there is, uh, you know, projects that are, are based on brand channels themselves, you know, so like target, for instance, we've been doing a lot of work with, and, right. and these videos appear on targets, YouTube channels and target socials and have, creators or you know different types of influencers in this content um but it's not specifically you know their work or or their voices they're sort of appearing and in, in, in like supporting okay. it in a way yeah that makes sense so just to to kind of make a this might not be an accurate parallel but let's take an old kind of version of people making tv shows that then sell advertising in the middle of it you guys in some ways on the social platforms are helping create the content in between maybe even brands being promoted or not. And also the content that helps promote brands as well. Sometimes. Right. I mean, the goal is that we're making entertaining content at the end of the day, right. you know, like brand or no brand, this stuff should be fun to watch. It should be entertaining and it should be splashy in some way, like stuff that we want to be seen and spoken about. And that's sort of what we mean by breakthrough content. But, um, you know, it, it, it is a, a tricky balance all the time. And 
you know, working with creators to also like support brand messaging. Like it's a fully collaborative thing. You know, it's, it's less us going, Hey, here's our idea for a commercial campaign or something like that. Hey, do you want to be in it? It's really much more organic and collaborative with different creators to make content with them for their channels, for their audiences and everything that also speaks to like the, you know, the brand messaging or whatever's kind of in the brief. So, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want to make ads, don't want to make commercials. We want to make entertainment, want to make interesting content that is fun to watch. And like, oh, this is even, this is cool because the, the, the brand has like enabled this stuff to happen, or there's like a really interesting way into this content because of the brand. Um, but on its own, you don't want to feel like you're watching a commercial. I mean, like, yeah, we're definitely not aiming to make ads at all. Got it. Okay. So with the idea, so you guys operate pretty much as the production company and in in some ways the agency. So you're not, do you also work with agencies as well? Like, do they call you up and say, we want some content made with so-and-so or is it pretty much working directly with brands and then directly with influencers and then being kind of like that nexus in between that helps create content? You know, like I can't speak too much to like exactly how, how the, how the process, the business process. (laughs) Well, tell me about your, your aspect of the process then. Well, so my aspect of the process. Yeah. You know, like when, you know, like by the time it gets to me, by the time I get involved, like there has been a brief that has shown up. There's like a partnership that's been developed. We might not have the job yet. You know, work might not be happening, but we're like pitching on stuff. And oftentimes we're pitching alongside other companies that, you know, I don't know who they are. I don't, I don't have that full picture, but I just know that we're trying to get this job and therefore like, let's present our take on this sort of brief, this campaign that might, you know, might be trying to happen. So by the time I get into it, it's like trying to understand what this is, what this brand is, what the sort of goal of it all is. And like, what is our way into making this like really interesting content? you know? Um, and then obviously like trying to get the work out of it. So, so I see that your credit is associate creative director. Uh, but do you also direct projects within the company still? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I started working with portal a, um, I was a director, I actually worked with them in a freelance capacity before that. And I, you know, like a few projects got going and I, joined full time and I was um directing sort of like my my job was like director slash creative lead on different projects for a long time and that was really a, a division of like you'll oversee sort of you know you like lead the creative of certain projects that are being developed or being pitched on or or in production. And then sometimes I'll direct too. And it definitely was not a like one-to-one thing. Like my job was not like, you know, director here sitting in the chair waiting for like the project to fall on the desk and like get up and do it. It was much more like on one hand you're developing and ideating and all that stuff. And then specific projects might take a little bit more ownership on and, and go, oh, actually this is one that I'll direct too. So I like my way into this job <clears throat> started as directing. Okay. And I guess I guess back to your point before about like the director writer thing like that mm-hmm. really 
Um, I mean, I was a freelance director for seven years or something like that. Okay. And that was sort of my identity. And so joining Portalay, I was just going to do the same kind of stuff I was doing freelance, but, but with them in house. And then the associate creative director role, that sort of like was an evolution of the creative lead role. And that yeah. sort of has turned into a little bit more oversight in some ways and like a little bit more independence with like sort of, you know, developing ideas and everything, but I still, still direct. I mean, that's always been a really, really important thing to me is like maintaining my, my, uh, my skills and my sort of like the joy of actually directing and being on set. That's uh, yeah. So whenever I can, I still love to do that. That makes sense. So seven years as a freelance uh, director, were you like calling up production companies or direct working directly with agencies or just word of mouth? Like we've talked to, I've heard of other freelance directors kind of going off different avenues. Dude, it's yeah. No two, no two paths are like, it's, <laughs> it's really true. Yeah. So for me, um, I mean, it was kind of all of that. I, like it's, it's really easy to look back on like my getting started. I guess if you start with like you graduate and then what happens, um, every single job I had done turned into something else. Like right. it's really easy to point to like where this one came from and where that one came from. And, and that I think was like a really important lesson that like as a freelance person, I just kind of got into a mode of like, say yes to everything. If someone mm -hmm. gives you an opportunity to direct something, say yes and figure out how to do it, you know? Yep. And I Good think word. that that's, do so you never, yeah. you never regretted saying yes. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't think I ever have regretted saying yes, because even Good. in like, even in projects that don't go the way you think, yeah. um, don't turn out super well. Maybe we're like hard in the process for one reason or another. Yep. Like I've gotten better over the years that go, okay, well, what am I going to take away from this? You know, like what is the lesson here? Even if it's just... I don't like doing that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, this is, I don't like working with this kind of talent. <laughs> oh, I know now how to spot this kind of like yeah. thing. That's going to be really hard. Just, you know, you learn how to like pick, pick little nuggets of like, like insight and like life lessons right. out of projects. So even the tough that. ones, yeah. Even the tough ones have had some, some, some benefit in the All long right. run. I appreciate that posture. I, uh, many years ago, I had an opportunity. I was mainly just directing commercials and short films, but I had this opportunity to direct a feature film, but I knew it was just, it was a bad situation to go into yeah. so many ways. Like the budget was way low. The producers were like first time and it was just kind of chaotic as far as what was being putting together. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine, who had been in the industry for a long while. She was a casting director and, uh, and she goes, just do it. Maybe this yeah. is your one project that says, well, I'm never going to do that again, but yeah, <laughs> just do it. And yeah, I, it was all those things that I was cautious about. And yet I have no regrets whatsoever. Like for sure. I learned so much. I also believe that it was a win-win 
both ways. Like I elevated the project beyond what it would have been if I wasn't involved. So <laughs> I didn't feel like I was just using them to just learn. They, you know, they also gained from my experience too. So I look back at it and there's even, there's even really corrupt people that were involved too. So I learned to like keep my eyes out on what those kind of things were, but all of it, I still don't regret. For sure. And I mean, getting the opportunity to direct something like having someone come to you and say, Hey, do you want to direct this? And can I also pay you to do that? I mean, like there was like, that was like an absolute dream. And I feel like if you are somebody who wants to be a director and you want to make a living out of it, like maybe it's just like the freelance sort of like mentality speaking, but I just have never really been able to be in the position of going, nah, not for me. You know, it's always just like, yeah. yes, yes. I, I cannot wait to do that now. Like, yeah, you know, working full time, like, yeah, there are, um, you know, I'll still get hit up for certain projects on the side and everything. And I like, I don't do them, you know, like I have my plate full at portal a and like, I'm fulfilled creatively doing a lot of stuff there. And I have the ability to, to, say no to stuff, but as a freelance person, like, right. I can't imagine wanting to be a director and somebody offering you the chance to direct something, anything and going, yeah. nah, not for me. Yep. That makes perfect sense. It kind of goes back to that verb noun thing. Like don't just call yourself a noun of a director. If you're not verbing <laughs> the directing for sure, <laughs> for sure. And, and the other thing is like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself and, the conversation yeah. will get there, but sure. directing, it's really hard to practice. It's a thing that is like, you know, it's not the same as like, I'm an illustrator, you know, I like to, I'm a painter and I want to just like figure out my stuff a little bit and then figure out like what I want to hang up on the wall. It's like directing is like a lot of stuff has to go right for you to just get the chance to be on set. And like practicing those skills. And so anytime you get the chance to do that, anytime somebody is like, you know, giving you an opportunity to like, you know, stretch those muscles a little bit, you got to take it. It's really hard to self-motivate, you know? And so if you have the chance to, to, to do it with someone else, especially on someone else's dime, you know, do it. Makes perfect sense. And you're right. There is so much that goes into it. It's hard to self-motivate in any type of, I think, the creative realm. But at least if you're a writer, you can do that on your own. You can just sit down and sure. do it. Whereas directing, yeah, theoretically, you can do a lot on your own. But generally, it takes it takes your village. <laughs> and to yeah, be writing. To do it. Yeah, writing is its own, you know, beast of a thing to self-motivate on too. It's like <laughs> you know, you can do that in a bubble, but you know, pushing yourself to even get to that point is is tough sometimes. Absolutely. Well, you answered already another one of my questions. I was curious, like how much of it was just under uh, Port and how much you did even outside of it. But for right now, pretty much everything you do is Port Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh, I don't, yeah, I don't really freelance at, at all. You know, it's like, like my time on the side has become precious in a lot of ways. And like, um, you, you know, I like to say that, like, if I was a freelance person, the kind of work that I end up doing at Portal A would be like, oh, yeah, I'm super excited to be doing this. And I don't need to, like, I don't seek to supplement that really outside. The stuff that I do on the side really is 
my own personal, my own personal projects. Gotcha. That makes sense. So did you see yourself in advertising like before you started getting opportunities in advertising or no, no, <laughs> I mean, if you, yeah, if you had like, if you had spoken to me, uh, in film school, for instance, I would have said, Oh, I am you know, I want to be making feature films and I'm going to be a feature film director. And that's, that's it. And I sort of like came up with this, okay. it, it, like in this realm of like sort of traditional filmmaking and, and advertising, I really kind of like fell into just by way of making other content that kind of like led to, led to being hired for, for advertising type work. So it wasn't something I really sought. It just, the, by virtue of like directing stuff with friends, it, it turned into doing that stuff for, for brands too. Right. Well, you seem very satisfied in kind of the niche that you're in right now. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I laugh because like, yeah, as far as like, um, like advertising and like creative work goes, I really like the niche that I'm in, I guess. Right. Obviously I still would love to be doing like narrative stuff too on the side. So I feel like that doesn't okay. go away, but when it comes to like, yeah, the work that I do, I feel really lucky that, um, I, I am creatively fulfilled by the, the, the advertising work. So. Okay. That makes sense. So do you have any personal projects and or partnered projects in the narrative kind of realm that you're working on? Or that yeah. On? Yeah. Well, so, you know, the, the, the main project that I've been working on on the side is a, a script. My wife is a writer. And, um, during this pandemic, we were like, well, <laughs> how long we you should, been married? We should write something. We've been married for four years now, right. a little over four years now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you know, production for me, for, for the most part, this whole pandemic has been a remote thing, you know, like obviously like work portal a we've been working from home this whole time, but, um, that also means that any of the shoots that we've been doing have all been like over zoom kind of stuff. And that's a whole other, whole other animal. That's a whole other, we could have a whole other podcast talking about probably could we may have you (laughs) on just to talk about zoom. Oh man. Sure. Um, but you know, writing was one of the things that we could do that would keep us busy and kind of like pass the time in a way. And, um, okay. yeah, so, so we wrote a script together as a feature script is the lost cause. Um, and it is inspired by stuff in our relationship, but really the, the main thing that inspired it was, um, we were watching the TV show alone. You ever seen that? It's like the survival show on history channel where people, Oh, I haven't seen it, but I, I know what it is. Yeah. Oh man. It's like, you know, it's all self shot. It's like people, they get GoPros and they go and they live in the woods for, wow. for months. Anyway, we thought it'd be really interesting to write a story about, um, a couple who was going through that. And it kind of has themes about like isolation and conflict. Are they like, and sort of- are they like marooned or something or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what happens is it's a, it's a couple who is scouting wedding venue locations <laughs> and <laughs> okay. they are, they're doing it in Alaska of all places. And there's oh, sort okay. of a narrative reason for that. And um, yeah, the plane plane goes down and uh, these two sort of cosmopolitan 30 somethings spend a weekend in the woods and it, uh, it does not do well for their, their relationship. So 
Nice. Yeah. So that's the, you know, I think the, the, so what's next? Are you, looking, are, you, are you looking for funding or going to do your show? Yeah. Or? If you know anybody, if you know anybody who wants to make a movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, All right, listeners, I guess, we have an investment <laughs> opportunity here. <laughs> yeah. You know, realistically, like it's something that I would love to make in the future. It's something that has been really fun to, to write and really cathartic to write. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess next steps are just, getting it read and shared and getting feedback and, and that kind of thing. But it's sort of a, the long game I think would be ultimately to make it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Cody who normally hosts, uh, he's very into the whole indie fundraising kind of realm. Yeah. And he recently just interviewed Natalie Mesker who, uh, Oh yeah. Oh, you're familiar. Yes. So she's, the previous guests that will probably be just before uh, yours is aired. And, uh, and yeah, she gave kind of a big insight into the whole realms work with Jim Cummings and uh, all sure. the production company and uh, post and marketing that, that they do. And the WeFunder was an interesting Avenue. It's kind of like Kickstarter Are you familiar with WeFunder. No, not really. I feel like I've, I've yeah. heard of it, but I, yeah, I haven't well, dabbled too much. The main difference is, and it, there actually had to be a law change in order for this to happen, but it allows for basically crowdsourcing equity. So it's not just, hmm. whereas Kickstarter, you go, well, we'll give you something if you, you know, if you sign up or we say thank you, if you, you know, give money kind of stuff. Whereas WeFunder is literally you are investing however the terms are set up and, uh, and with their last movie, they'd set it up with, uh, if you invest X amount of dollars, once we make money back, you can make up to 125% back. And hmm. uh, so since they had a following, they basically within a few days, I think raised their $350,000 or whatever it was that they were looking for. And then they immediately made a deal on an initial distribution deal for $400,000. So they immediately paid back the wow. investors with the interest. Cool. So wow. it was just like that, boom, boom. <laughs> and uh, they actually had people wanting to give more money, but they put a cap on it. They're like, nope, we're only raising this amount. This is how the equity <clears throat> all, all mm. out and, uh, and all that. So now they can still make more money if they want, but they, they, they sure. paid back their investors with their agreement that they said that they would do. And some other people are giving away equity actually in their company and their entertainment industry and stuff. So they've raised like lots of money. So it's a very fascinating world. Mm. So you can check it mm. out. Yeah, it definitely will. I mean, that's, that's a, a side of the, the process that I definitely could, could use some handholding through and some. Absolutely. Some well, let's stay in touch. Cody will want to probably just have one-on-one conversations with you about that because he's got a sure. feature. I've got my own feature. We've, we've, we've got our, we've got our projects that, that we're working on that we're excited about. Um, but getting back to, again, I want to make sure we keep a little bit of a theme sure. on the process. So I'd love to know a little bit more of what it's like working with influencers to then create content but at the same time, keep that, authentic voice mm -hmm. and like how much of it is you're, you're looking for just, Hey, you guys are already doing your thing. And so how much are you just looking for their creative input and you're just kind of guiding it or how much you kind of mm -hmm. towards it? I'm guessing it's different every time, but I'd love to just know kind of <sighs> into that. Yeah. I mean, it is different every time. Um, but 
really, I mean, it depends on like what the kind of project is or the kind of campaign. And, and like we were saying before, like, is this something that is a brand wants to partner with an influencer or YouTube creator or somebody to, to like post content on their channel and sort of like, you know, integrate the brand into that and make specific content? Or is this something where the brand is making something for their own socials, their own channels and whatever, and, and collaborating with influencers and sort of like more of like a talent capacity to like appear within that stuff. Um, in my experience, like there hasn't been a single one of these processes that hasn't had a huge, huge collaboration going on. Like collaboration with the talent is like paramount to the success and to the whole process. So when we talk about authenticity, it's like, this is not the traditional like casting process where you're like, Oh, we got this idea for a thing. Now who can we fit in there? I mean, sometimes it starts with an idea and you kind of build off of that and figure out who would be best. But even at that point, you're still, it, it still evolves into a, like, let's, let's work this out together in a way. And let's make sure that this, whatever we're making feels like has your fingerprints on it as well and feels authentic to your channel. And that, you know, you as the influencer, your, your viewers are not going to go, Oh, it's an ad like skip or whatever, you know, feels like, Oh, I'm getting the same kind of content that I love out of this person. And I don't mind that there's a brand involved because if anything, that's made it better up, up the budget or production uh, or something. You know? Okay. So, okay. Um, and I mean, I guess to that point, like it, like casting or talent selection, as you call it, not casting, but like talent selection is so, so important. Like it all really starts with that in a really big way. Okay. Yes. So uh, in feature filmmaking, I hear famous directors say all the time, like 90% of directing is casting. <laughs> yeah. <Dang. laughs> You're saying it's very important within this. Process too. It's, it's really important because like, yeah, you know, like, first of all, the, the talent knows their audiences the best. Like they, they, they do this day in and day out and they know what works and they know what doesn't, but they also like, you know, you'll have an idea sort of, you have like a, a general scope of like, Oh, what if we did something like this or wouldn't like a, just an idea for like a video or a campaign. And when you figure out who might be good for this, then all of a sudden these ideas mm. take on different forms, you know, sense. and you go, Oh, well, if it's this person, Oh my God, what if it was like this, like the kind of stuff they do cool. Right. And you end up sort of like evolving the ideas based on the talent. And then the other thing is that, um, you know, you'll get a brief and sometimes the brief will, you know, they'll have like goals for the type of people they want to be reaching or the type of like, you know, this type of like themes, you know, sort yeah. of like the, like the sort of like just sort of nuances that they want to make sure that the, the campaign accomplishes in the right talent. will just do that inherently. Like sometimes we'll uh... go, Oh, well, we, we want this to, um, you know, like this demographic or like this sort of I'm trying to think of an example like this, like angle into the project is really important for us. And it's just a matter of who you cast that's going to bring that, mm, you know? Sense. And so, you know, working with talent is not just a, a, a like a, it doesn't just inspire the creative, but it like really evolves it in a really big way. That makes 
perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So, I mean, looking at your portfolio here, worked with a lot of different brands, Vogue, Infinity, Brita, Google, Target, YouTube, Google, HBO, Lenovo, <laughs> ABC. <laughs> yeah. So are there particular standouts like a partnership between an influencer and or talent and, uh, and a brand that kind of just sticks out to you? And as far as like how it went down? Oh, my God. I'm not yeah, asking you to pick well, a favorite. I'm just kind of asking like, <laughs> a highlight. A lot of them. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the process. Like, okay. So I will say that like, we've been doing a lot of stuff with Target lately okay. at Portalay. And this has been all remote stuff so far. And it's been really fun to make stuff for um, like a brand channel specifically mm. where, you know, like a lot of times we'd be working with talent where like, you know, this is an influence. We're going to make stuff for your, their YouTube channels or their socials, but uh, working with a brand to sort of develop content for their own space and letting like, like working with creators then to sort of evolve that content. That's been really fun. So I've enjoyed doing the series stuff the sort of like figuring out what targets, you know, like what a series looks like yeah. for target has yeah. been really fun. I would say personally, the, a real standout project has been the, um, the stuff we did with infinity with Stephen Curry is oh, nice. really was really, really fun. Yeah. All right. I, we, we've Link done a lot of work guys. Link in the show. <laughs> well, we've done a lot of work with, um, with Stefan and his, uh, his company unanimous and everything okay. through portal egg. And it's, it's really fun to work with him and just somebody on that level and, and finding also ways to like play off of his, strengths as a performer, you know, not a basketball player, but like as an right. on-camera personality <laughs> and um, figuring out that has been a lot of fun. So a favorite of mine was it's what's it called? It's um, it was where we, we made a fake concept car for oh, Stephen nice. Curry. Oh, and, nice. and we, um, you know, this was part of a campaign where it was supposed to show I think like three different aspects of Stefan's personality okay. and like tr traits, like things that he felt strongly about. And one of them was um, comedy. One of them was like humor. And so we developed this idea to, um, <laughs> to prank one of his friends okay. and a, a guy who I guess he's known for a long time, a really nice guy, but like a, somebody from Stefan's inner circle and present this idea to this friend of his that, Hey, Stefan has this, um, he has this sponsorship with infinity, which is true. Stefan was like working with infinity a lot. And part of that allowed him to design a concept car on his own. And Stefan <laughs> got to it within this, <laughs> this idea. Stefan was responsible for the design of a brand new infinity concept car. And he wanted to reveal it to his friend for the first time. The cameras are rolling. And so he needs his friend to like give a really big reaction on camera. So basically we, we had this, <laughs> this car, this fake car built. And we, you know, along with Stefan tricked his friend into showing up to appear in this infinity commercial to give his reaction on camera to this concept car that was being revealed for the first time. And obviously, I mean, you can see from the thumbnail, it's like 
<laughs> the most ridiculous looking car ever, but this was like a project that really synthesized like two things that I feel very, very passionately about, which is like video making and, and stuff, but also like pranks and humor and stuff. And it was That's just amazing. so much, so much fun to do. So. And that was the ugliest concept car. Is that that one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. on my website, at least it's called ugliest concept car. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It um, was so, so funny. So that, yeah, I think that's a partnership that that definitely stands out to me. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, well, another thing that we're generally curious about for everybody is just in general in this industry, what are common misconceptions that you think people have about it or that you had about like advertising or content creation or the world in between, whether it's the process of making it or whether it's behind yeah. the scenes, working with people? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, misconceptions. Well, one misconception, I guess, that comes to mind is the idea that, you know, you have one success and that just leads to a bigger project and a bigger project and more success. And like one, it's just a constant sort of trajectory upwards. Uh -huh. And the truth is that it doesn't work like it might trend upwards. Right. But it's okay if the level of work that you're doing or the, like the scale of projects or whatever is not a constant growth. And I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like getting started or my perception of like filmmaking early on was like, you make something and it's a success and you make a, at least a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And it's sort of always that way. And it's, it's not. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean like on a superficial level, like, there's a, uh, you know, a perception, I think that like working in filmmaking or living in LA, like the, the work is always like very glamorous and, you know, it's, mm. I don't know, there's, there's like a sheen about it. And, and really it's like creative work is, is not really that glamorous. And I think I've like come to discover more and more how hard it is to make something that's really good and how much, mm failure and trial and error and like just the hashing out of ideas and you know, the difficulty behind not only making something that's good at making something that like, you know, meets the goals of what it was trying to do meets the intended goals, whether, whether creatively or, you know, from a business standpoint, but also it's just like, make, makes sense. You know, it's like, is like decent right. enough, like is passable. It's hard, man. So <laughs> Good word. You know, I think that, uh, but yeah, the, the theme here is that, um, it's not always a constant, uh, a constant upward trend in the, the scale of work that you're doing or really the reception of the work that you do. That is a good word and a good reminder for us all. I've definitely noticed it in my career and, yeah. uh, and in everyone's career around me and in the work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there was something, um, it was like, it was like a Instagram post or something. I saw people like posting this thing for a while. It was like the, it was like an iceberg. It was like the, the work that people see at the very top yeah. the work that nobody else sees all underneath the surface. And, and that really is, yeah. is it, it's like by the time that you release any given project or whatever, just the amount of like stuff months and months, maybe years or whatever work behind that, you know, and then you, you just see people 
post this thing and it looks like they made it in the day, you know, yep. there's so much labor that goes into any one of these projects that, um, you know, is not, is not on the surface. Makes sense. I'm curious, have you ever struggled with being a perfectionist and has your years through this type of collaboration helped kind of keep that at bay? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm definitely a perfectionist. I can't like, you know, there are projects that I've done that I feel like, yeah, I'm, you know, in hindsight, I think that's pretty, pretty good, but it's always like in my mind, like it's good considering it's like nothing is ever right. exactly what you thought or what you hope. So I'm always weighing whatever I've made or whatever the outcome is against, like, I guess like an intended outcome in my mind's eye. Um, and it took me a little bit of time to see that like nobody's nobody else sees that, you know, only you are seeing the version that you set out to make everything else. It's like, yeah. you know, taking it at face value and yeah, I mean, perfection, that, that pursuit of perfection, I think is something that, um, the, the more that you collaborate with people and the, mm. the, the bigger projects get the more, the currents pull it in different directions and it involves in different ways. And so I've, I've come to like really embrace that in a lot of ways and, um, let go of some of like the, like the personal goals or opinions that I might have in favor of like other perspectives and other ideas from people that are collaborating on the project as well. So I think that there's a lot of strength that comes from collaboration. And I don't think that, any given idea that I have is necessarily the right one, you know, and um, I've learned that a lot of the best ideas certainly have not been my own, you know? So did you, did you adopt this fairly easily or was there a period of time in your past where you felt like you you had to be the most creative person in the room and um, your ideas had to be the, the ideas that went with it. Otherwise you didn't have an identity. I don't know. I'm, I'm being very specific with these types of things. I've never no. struggled with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it, it really, it depends on the project. I mean, like, look, when I was, um, when I was a freelance director, mm-hmm. my mode of working was a lot different than it is like working with portal a, like, like, you know, having a job job and at portal a like my day-to-day job involves a lot of collaboration a lot of brainstorming with other people whereas um you know if i was like a freelance person i was just like pitching on a job it's up to me to just brainstorm these things and i'm grading them against my own opinions of them you know but by the time that like you know an idea gets to the stage of like we're gonna present this or put it in the deck or whatever we're gonna make this with portal a that has like gone through a lot of um a lot of thought and like a lot of like like holes being punched in it you know and so just that that the creative process there has changed however um Mm -hmm. i also did a lot of music videos when i was um a freelance person and and this a lot of those started with like working with friends and friends were musicians and artists and stuff and those are also always really creative processes as well so I have always like appreciated like taking an idea that somebody else has maybe and evolving it or having an idea and then having somebody else kind of like, yes, and it in a way. So yeah. it, it really depends on the, 
the, I guess the project, but also like the, the phase of life that I've been in because sure. nowadays my work doesn't happen in a silo at all. Right. You know, it's, it's really a big, a big, uh, big effort. That's wonderful. So do you have a, a personal motto, mantra, quote, ethos that helps you operate in life or in the industry or. Yeah, that's another, another great question. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing that, that came to mind, I forget where I heard this, but I, like, I read this at some point early on and, uh, and it was that success is not finite. Mm-hmm. And I guess like the meaning of that to me, I'm reminded of whenever I am, I don't know, comparing myself against the work that other people do or seeing some other piece of work that like, I, man, like, I wish I had made that. It's so good. And so cool. I couldn't make something like that uh, or, or being like, you know, I guess envious of like the work that other people have done and realizing that like, the, the good work that others do, the successes that others have does not take away from like some pool of success that's available to people, mm-hmm. you know, like that does not mean that there's one less chance for you to do the thing that you want <laughs> or some, right. you know, it's not taking anything from, from you. So, um, that's not to say that like the goal of any project is like success, but it depends on how you measure that. Right. I guess I just feel like, I have taught myself to be a little bit better at not comparing myself to others mm. um, and my work to others so much. So that's, that's one thing that, um, that, that stuck out to me. It's good. I resonate with that big time. Yeah. I've also heard it talked about like having a spirit of abundance rather than scarcity. That's all yeah. related. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, like, you know, I think this is something that, um, is probably fairly common with creative people, but also just like in social media, everybody sort of weighing themselves and the, mm. the work that they do against what they're seeing others put out. And, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't do that same kind of thing in a lot of different aspects as well, but trying to get a handle on that and not worry so much about what other folks are doing, but also to not view it as competition, you know, like mm, yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I remember like when I went to film school and I feel like, like showing up at Emerson for the first time and like, you know, Emerson for me, film school for me was like, you know, every school, every high school had like the kid who was like the video person. And all of a sudden all those people are in the same space. And when you go from feeling like you're like, the person within your little bubble to all of a sudden you're surrounded by those people. There's yeah. like this inherent sense of like competition or something. <laughs> and I, I wish that people didn't have that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that if you can get away from this idea that like, I need to be better than all of you, but instead like, Oh, we can all be allies here and we're all fighting the same kind of creative fight and going through these same like creative challenges ourselves. Let's, help each other and be, you know, swimming in the same river, going in the same direction, um, versus like, you know, you against the world kind of thing. I, I wish that that notion was a little bit more pervasive, I think in the, the creative world, world, especially with, with directors. I love that. 
I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you speak to my heart language. So what's, what's the best way to, for people to approach you or not approach you or find you? Um, <laughs> to approach me. Well, uh, yeah, either email or to follow you on Instagram or, or, uh, yeah, look at your work and wave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it, it looks like your social great. connections are on your website here. Yeah. 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 Social media is fine. I'm not like, I wouldn't say I post a whole lot. Like I'm not like super, super active on social media, but, um, I love meeting folks that way or email. Email is totally fine. I'm happy to, to connect with folks over email. So Thanks for listening to our episode with Jackson Adams. As always, if you have any recommendations for guests, just message us on Instagram or Facebook at Filmmakers in Advertising or head to filmcry.com and shoot us an email. From Cry, the creative production and post house in New York City, I'm Cody, and this is Filmmakers in Advertising.